0: You know, regardless of what we're told, regardless of what we hear on that box in the corner or the mantel or up on the wall in our living rooms, most of the people that came to the United States to start with were looking for religious freedom. They were oppressed in the way that they were trying to worship wherever they happened to live. And religious freedom were what they were looking for. We're thinking about freedom this morning and again about all those, those people who fought and died to ensure that we might be able to still live like that. and the way our first responders operate today to keep us from harm. So our mind on this weekend is about freedom, or should be. And that's the title of the sermon today. If you would turn to John chapter 8, The book of John, chapter 8. This is going to be a little bit of a Bible drill this morning. We're going to march through the Bible in a type of, 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 of form that we don't always, not flipping back somewhere or whatever. We'll go toward what God says about freedom and about the way it's being dealt with today. I don't often get to preach on what we call earthly schemes or earthly uh, made occasions like the Fourth of July. Most of the time when it comes to special holidays, God calls me to keep right on preaching the things that he wanted me to preach, but today his deal was on freedom. And that coincides with our holiday, the days that we chose to remember the way he led us to the place that we are today. But let me say this. If you think about it, if you put the idea in your mind and turn on the news on your TV on a day or a week like this week, you'll hear freedoms of all different kinds. We've been talking about freedom this morning before church from the NAACP's attitude about it. They made a speech at the college this week. Everybody's got their own ideas, but what I'm here to tell you people who are like me. My idea of freedom ought to be what God's idea of freedom is. That's what it's all about. And I'd like to try to explain you that today, plus give you an idea of how some folks are mistreating the whole idea of it and the way God treated it. Because I'm going to tell you this. I said earlier to somebody, this thing about imposing standards on Christians that God never demands. We do that as churches. You've heard me say about people that was kicked out of business meetings at Cahaba Valley Church because they were heard to say a cuss word in public during the week. Demanding people to do things and act like something that God never expected himself at all. We need to be very careful that we know what those demands of God are. Because people are taking a great deal of liberty with the Bible today in saying God doesn't like this and God doesn't like that. But in John chapter 8 and verse 32 And Jesus said "Ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. He's talking about the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know that truth and the truth will make you free. What does he mean by free? We'll get into that. Then over on In chapter 8 and verse 36, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. What does that mean? He's saying it again. If you're born again because of what you believe about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you shall be free indeed, he says. What does that mean? In that day, at the time this Bible was written, indeed meant in reality. So what he's saying again is that if Jesus makes you free, you will really in reality be free. What does that mean? A few pages over to your right, you'll turn to Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight, verse one and two. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Jesus Christ. That means believers who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Wait a minute now. It's making a clause there. There's no condemnation for those who are Christians. But there's another thing being said. Those that walk after the Spirit, they choose to walk after the Spirit and not walk after the flesh. There's no condemnation for them. So there's a different... See, that, that puts another line on the contract about who is free and what kind of freedom you have. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. So now wait a minute. We're getting a definition now. What is the freedom and the freedom indeed that Jesus was talking about? The freedom that we have from believing in the Lord Jesus Christ is that we no longer are slaves to the law of sin and death. We have an opportunity now as Christians to choose in our lives how we're going to live. If we live after the Spirit, there is no condemnation for us. God doesn't have anything negative to say about me and you and our lives. But what about if we don't choose that? Well, sometimes it's the church's response. Well, you know, all sin and comes short of the glory of God. Yeah, but that's not to be used as an excuse. And I'll say it used for an excuse way more than once. Everybody sins, so that makes it all right, okay? I've had to try to force a couple of things through statewide organizations to try to make a rule that people couldn't do this or that or the other. And the thing that I have coming back at me every time I've tried, well, everybody does it. I I don't know why they want to make a rule that you can't do that. The thing is on their mind is everybody does it. So it couldn't be too bad that I did it. Well, yes it is, really. Because when I choose to sin, then I deserve condemnation from God. I deserve a bad statement made about me. Now you remember what we said about law last week? These spiritual laws, these laws that are inside of us, a law is a principle that governs actions. Like I told you about the law of gravity, I dropped a book. That's a law. If you turn loose of something, it's going to fall every time. And that's a law of nature, a law of physics, and there are spiritual laws also. And Jesus making us free has brought us out from living for Satan and being a slave of him to this law of sin and death. If you do something bad, you're going to die. And the death that they're talking about here is what we talked about last week. is separation from God. Those that do not have Jesus Christ when they do bad things, they separate themselves from God. You and I don't do that. When we do bad things, God doesn't separate himself from us. It just says in my scripture that sometimes he has to turn his head away from us. But the point is this the freedom that we have from Jesus Christ is that big freedom that freedom from the law of sin and death, that law that we were born with, it's called the old sin nature. And we're no longer chastised for having the old sin nature. We've got a way out of that. And it is forgiveness through Jesus Christ. We have that. The unsaved do not. If we turn back left one page to Romans chapter 6 and verse 17, look at what Paul explains here. But God be thanked that ye were the servants or slaves, that word is D-O-U-L-O-S, slaves. The, trans, trans, the folks who trans, what's the word? Transcribe. The Bible chose to say it's servants. It's not servants, it's D-O-U-L-O-S, the Greek word slave. But God be thanked that ye were the slaves of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart, that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. You understand that? You used to be slaves of Satan and slaves to his sin. You had to do it. You didn't have any choice. But now you have a choice. And what was delivered with you was the gospel of Jesus Christ, that that you believed to become Christian. Being then made free from sin, ye became the slaves of righteousness. You're now the slaves of doing the good stuff and not the slaves of doing the bad stuff. Now, let me say this. I believe that in the mind of a Christian, he ought to consider himself a slave unto Jesus Christ. Because he's bought with a price. We saw that last week. His blood was shed for you and bought you out of slavery to Satan. So now you've become a slave to do the right thing instead of a slave to do the wrong thing. That is a mind attitude. I believe that as 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 believing as I do, that I am a slave of Jesus Christ, that I am obligated with all the the strength I have to try to do the right thing instead of doing wrong thing. Verse 19. I speak after the manner of men. What that means is in human terms. Paul says, I'm talking to you in human terms. We're not talking about spiritual terms. I'm talking to you just like I would talk to anybody about anything else. I speak after the manner of men because of the weakness, the infirmity of your flesh. We're weak. And he's speaking to us like men because men are weak and the heavenly is strong. So he's talking to us like humans, because humans have a weakness. Because of the weakness of your flesh, for as ye have yielded your members slaves to uncleanliness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members slaves to righteousness unto holiness. What he's saying is, now that you're a Christian, you need to be a, have the a mind attitude that you are a slave to righteousness. What that means is, a slave in those days was killed for disobedience, and it wasn't against the law. If your slave wouldn't do what you told him to do, you could kill him, and you wouldn't have to even be called, your hand called because of it. And that's what he says. that's what Paul is saying here now. That you ought to believe that as a Christian with a master of Jesus Christ, it, he makes it the picture of, of a slave, a human slave, who has a master that he works for, that owns him. And that's ought to be the attitude that we have. That there's no question in our mind whether or not we're supposed to do the right thing. We don't go around in a careless way doing things that we know are wrong, that we know God doesn't like. We don't need to do it. Like the relationship, we had need to think a relationship, that's the way I believe. I need to think that my relationship with Jesus Christ is like the relationship of a slave to his master. There's no question about what I'm going to do. What I need to do, I need to do what my master tells me to do. say this, in that day, slavery was a very common thing. Now we've got people today who have not been slaves, they are descendants of slaves, who can tell you all about what it's like to be a slave. Now Paul has just explained it here about the mentality of a slave, of a person who has no choice. But like we had no choice with Satan and we had to do wrong things, now that we belong to Christ, we still don't have a choice. We're a slave to righteousness. We're a slave to Jesus Christ. People have taken license with the scriptures in all kinds of ways. And one of the ways they've done it it was this thing about slavery. And we today think it's the worst thing in the whole world to be a slave. There were people in Jesus' day who were volunteer slaves. They were poor people. And they couldn't make it. And they went to a wealthy man and volunteered to be a slave. A bond servant, they called him. He didn't have to pay for them. They walked up, he put their ear up against the door jamb and bored a hole through it with an awl. And the people who had the hanging down lobe of their ear with a hole through the middle of it were slaves for life. And what they got out of it was this they lived in that man's house and they ate his food. He provided them with everything they needed. And he did what the master told him to do. And they volunteered to do that. In 1 Corinthians, a few pages over to the right, in verse 7, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 20. Let's see what Paul says here about people at the church of Corinth. So let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. So when God saved you through Jesus Christ, His Son, whatever state you were in, you stayed there. Because you were now a Christian, didn't mean you had to quit your job, didn't mean you had to find work other place. We'll see it also meant that you're not supposed to be turned out of prison because you're a Christian. I've had several people explain to me how when a person is saved in prison, you all turn him out. God didn't say that. Never has even hinted at that. If while you were on this earth, you broke the law, the penalty was that you served 10 years, you got 10 years coming. And if you get saved in jail, you don't get... The rest of your 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 term handed back to you and turned out. You don't do that. That's not what he said. Let every man abide in the same calling, where is we the call? When you met Jesus and became a Christian, you're where you were. And so stay there, he said. Aren't there called being a slave? Care not for it, but if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. Do you see what God is saying here through Paul? If when you were born again you were a slave, stay a slave. Serve me, God says, from the position of slavery. But if you happen to get free, if for some reason earthly situations arise where you can be made free, then continue to serve God as a free man. What Paul is saying here on the inspiration of God is that Whether you're a slave or you're free doesn't have anything to do with serving God. You can serve God as a slave. For he that is called in the Lord being a servant or a slave is the Lord's free man. He said if you're born again and you're a slave, as far as God is concerned, you're free. You can still serve God as a free man, as a Christian free man, while you're being a slave. Likewise, also he that is called being free is God's servant. So the word slave, God's slave, (coughs) can apply to both people. Whether they're free in the flesh, are a slave in the flesh. Verse 23 says, you're bought with a price. Be not ye the slaves of men. (coughs) It says, if you're not a slave, don't make of yourself a slave. (coughs) Now, what does that mean? It's all about a mental attitude. I have seen people who would do anything that somebody that they looked up to wanted them to do so they could gain favor with that person. It's a mental attitude. But God bought you with the price of Jesus' blood. If you're not a slave in the flesh, don't make of yourself a slave in the flesh. That's what he said. Verse 24, brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. <clears throat> he had to do with a mental attitude. You can be a slave another man can own you and you can serve God from your mind just like you weren't a slave. You're God's free man. But if you're free and you think like a slave, then you'll try to be what God would want you to be. That's essentially the analogy he's making here. Now let me say this. I didn't go into it because we're talking about freedom. but biblically speaking, there were three ways a man could be a slave in the Bible. One, you could bought bound. You could buy a slave, you could own a slave and God apparently approved of it. He didn't talk about it he against it. Number two, your country, could fight in a war with another country, you could conquer that other country and you could bring their inhabitants back to your country to be slaves for your people. That was slaves of war. The other way you could be a slave in God's economy is that if you owed somebody so much, the example is given if you borrow a man's team of oxen in his plow and you carry it home and something happens and the oxen are stolen or they die. You don't have enough money to pay the man for his team of oxen and his plow. So what can you do? You can become his slave for the value of the team of oxen and the plow until you have worked for him long enough to pay him back for the loss of his team of oxen and the plow. So essentially, you become his slave for a term limit till you've paid the debt off. People who found themselves indebted to other people were made slaves even by the courts of that land until they paid their debt off. God designed that. Now, There's something you need to understand about how Israel thought, how God's chosen people thought. When they were brought to Canaan, the Promised Land, the land was divided up and given to each tribe. And in each tribe, the the head of the families of each tribe was given a piece of land. All the tribe of Dan was over here. All the tribe of Judah was over here and whatever. And it's an interesting thing to me with all the talk nowadays, the way they divided up the land was by casting lots. <laughs> gamble. They gamble. God told them to gamble to see who got what piece of land. Or well, that's what people today in the church call gambling. They roll the dice. They cast the lots. And that's how they decided who was going to have whose land. Well, if somebody got in a tough place and he decided to sell his land, the man that bought that land knew that in seven years he had to give that land back to him. (laughs) Because God says, I don't want anybody's land to get out of his family and stay there. So when you bought a piece of ground from somebody, you knew that in seven years it had to go back to the original owner. And the price was accordingly, see? That's the way they operated. Now, let me say this. Well, let's let's turn over to chapter 12, 1 Corinthians. Let me say this first. Chapter 12, two or three pages over to your right, in verse 13. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. There is only one Holy Spirit. Everybody comes to Jesus Christ, comes to God through Jesus Christ by that one Holy Spirit. We're all baptized into one body. God makes that plain all the way through the New Testament. There is not no, no such thing as denominations, different kinds of churches, or whatever. That's the reason the churches were called the church at Thessalonica. Because the church at Thessalonica was believed the same thing as the church at Ephesus thought. They were all the same church. Wasn't one of them a Baptist, nothing a Methodist, and three of them Episcopalian and whatever. That wasn't divided in those days. All the churches were alike. They believed the same thing. They were one body. They were born again believers. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, saved, born again, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free. Now, why would he bring that into Because it was so prevalent in that day. People try to make a distinction between being a slave and being a free person. And God said it doesn't have anything to do with anything. When you get to be a Christian, whether you are a Jew or a Gentile, whether you're a slave or you're a free person, it doesn't matter. You're still a Christian. And have been all made to drink into one spirit. Jesus prayed in his last prayer in the 17th chapter of John back to God the Father. God, I would pray that all of people who are born again would believe just like I do and you do. But see, we don't do that today. But we're all saved into one body of believers. And that's the only one there is. All these different denominations and different churches and different beliefs and all that kind of stuff, even the Baptist churches have got ten kinds of Baptist churches. Some of them believe in foot washing, some of them believe in giving money to missionaries, some of them don't. they all different. God didn't make provision for that. But let me say this, in John 15 and 16, Jesus told us, now look, I want you to be my friends from now on. You're not my slaves. I'm not your master, but I want you to be my friends because I'm telling you everything. A slave master does not tell his slave everything. He just tells him what to go do. He don't even tell him why sometimes. But I told you everything, Jesus said. So we talk about let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Let me say something and make a comment about the mental state of mind for Christians. I believe at this point from my studies from Scripture that I am a slave of God, the Father, God, Jehovah God. I am a friend to Jesus. Jesus. Because he said that's what he wants me to be. I'm also a brother to Jesus. He is my oldest brother in the church. So you see, we have different relationships with God the Father and with God the Son. And Jesus says, I'm your brother. I'm your Whether you're male or female, I'm your brother. I want to be your friend. I've told you everything. But he doesn't say anything about a relationship to God. The relationship to God is still one of master and slave master. I believe that. Now turn to Galatians chapter 3, a few pages over. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Now the mentality that I think God would have all of us have is to take these divisions that we have created here on this earth and take them out of our mind. I preach in a church For Jesus Christ. That's what I do. As far as I'm concerned, this is a church of Jesus Christ. When we formed this church, all kinds of people were coming to my living room. There were Catholics, there were Baptists, there were Methodists, there were Presbyterians, there was everything. And some Pentecostals and some people that their neighbors told me that they had never heard of them being in church before. And all those people came in forming this group we call a church. And the leadership sat down and tried to come up with a name for this church where nobody passing down the road could say, oh, that's a Baptist church. I can't go there because I've always been a Methodist. Or that's a Presbyterian church. I can't go there because I've always been a Baptist. There's some folks who think like that. And so we named it the church at Briarfield. Because in the book of Acts, all the churches, the only thing that separated them was where they located. Their doctrine did not separate them. They all had biblical doctrine. We've lost that. For we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. Here it is again. This is a big deal with people of that day because there were so many slaves. And some folks were trying to tell some other folks, if you're a slave, you can't be a Christian. No, God says you can. In your mind, you're a a slave to me. And you can serve him just like you need to serve, just like you're serving me. And I'll show you that. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. You all come to Christ Jesus the same way. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. We all come there the same way by believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I would like, and I teach this, and I pray for this every day, that all of us, instead of being Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian or whatever we grew up in, because it was important back in those days, would be a child of God through Jesus Christ. And the only relationship we have, we could walk in, I told a fellow this morning. I was in a town when I was 19 years old that had a Baptist church on one end and a Methodist church on the other. They didn't have enough money to have a preacher at both places every Sunday. So we'd go to Sunday school at our church in the Baptist church, and if it was a Sunday that they had a preacher, we'd stay there. But if it was the next Sunday when they didn't have a preacher, We'd get in our cars and drive across town to the Methodist church, and we'd all listen to their preacher over there, and nobody thought a thing in the world about it. That's not the case in a lot of places. It's hard for a person of one denomination to believe that the people of another denomination are well, ever going to be in heaven with them. I got in trouble one time because I told an older lady that when she got to heaven, there wasn't going to be any Baptists up there. (laughs) Needless to say, she was a Baptist. And she went straight to the preacher, and I mean Lord, me Lord, whatever, because I said that. But honest to goodness, folks, there's not going to be any Baptists in heaven. There's not going to be any Methodists and Presbyterians and Episcopalians and Anglicans and Catholics and Greek Orthodox and all the other. Or black or black. They're going to be born again believers. Is what they're going to be, and that's it. Turn over across the page in my Bible to chapter five of Galatians and verse one. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. That's the kind of freedom we've got. That has just been explained. We're free from the law of sin and death. We no longer have to sin. We can choose not to sin because we have the Spirit of God in us that gives us the strength to say no to Satan and he's the one that's tempting us to do all this stuff. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, what does that mean? Here again, it's that mental idea. The yoke in Bible definition is an obligation. It's a debt. You've got to do it. A yoke is a, is, a, is, a, is a thing that is put on you as a beast of burden to work with, and you can't get it off yourself. Somebody else has to get it off, just like the yoke on an ox or the harness on a horse or a mule. So do not choose, he says, is what he's saying, to entangle yourself again with the yoke of bondage. That word bondage is to be a slave with an issue that God did not demand. So, what that thing is saying is stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. Who are you? And as a Christian today, what do you have to do? That's the question I'm asking. Better not pick up a cigarette. Better not drink a beer. Better not get caught dancing. You see what I'm saying? You could get kicked out of a church a hundred years ago for doing any of those things in public. So what does it mean to be a Christian? You follow Christ. Whatever Christ tells you to do, you do it. But stand fast for what you believe. Stand there in the liberty, the freedom that God has given you. I don't have to sin. Nobody's making me do that just because they say I'm a member of a church. I've got to do that. You need to know what God demands of us and do that and not worry about all that other stuff. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 8. How do you stand fast in the liberty? Right here it says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 8, Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man does, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Here again, that's a big deal back then. Why would he use that? But he did. So what it says is whether you're a slave or not a slave in the flesh, anything you do that God calls you to do, he's going to give you a reward for it. He treats a slave the same way he does a free man. Verse 9, and ye masters, slave owners, do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also who is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Don't let anybody with his talking about what is right and what is wrong mess you up. You stand for what you know to do for God. That's what this is all about. And there are false teachers everywhere you turn and whatever channel you turn on they are trying to tell you you've got to do something to please God that God never said anything about. And let me say this, and I'm sticking my neck out here I guess I am, but I don't think if I was a slave, or my father was a slave, or my grandfather was a slave, or my great-grandfather was a slave, I need anybody to pay me anything because of that. Do you get the same idea from what I've just said? They're talking about reparations, three million dollars a family because their great-great-granddaddy was a slave. Look at verse 5. Ephesians 6, verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh. Servants, is 401, in Strong's Concordance, is slaves. With fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as you are working unto Christ. We are to work for our employee, or employer, in my mind, like we were to Christ. Now, I guess I've carried a step farther because I carried these admonitions from Paul that came from God to whoever I happened to work for. I always did what a man told me to do until I wasn't going to do it, and when I wasn't going to do it, I went to him and told him I quit. Why are you quitting? Because I can't do what you want me to do. It's an interesting perspective from the Bible, I think, because when I was 22 years old, I moved to the Black Belt. I went to school at Auburn. Auburn's in the Black Belt. Highway 80 runs across the state of Alabama from Columbus, Georgia, to Meridian, Mississippi. Highway 14 runs from Opelika, over to Selma, and then turns up and goes across the state line at Aliceville, very much in the Black Belt. Until October of 1969, I worked and lived in the Black Belt. I managed plantations that were plantations, that had slave houses in them, that people still lived in them, whose grandfathers and grandmothers were slaves. I don't have to listen to what people tell me about what that is like and what those people are like because I work with them every day. And they were absolutely some of the best people I've ever seen in my whole life. I learned more from them than any group of people I've ever worked with. They had knowledge about so many things and they were absolutely the most humble people. And I think it's one of the things that causes me to believe like I do now that God hates arrogance. A proud look. He can't stand it. And the thing that so many people are complaining about, this thing of slavery, caused them to be raised with the most humble attitudes of anybody I've ever seen in my life. And they got wisdom from it that we don't have anymore. And that's what God's all about. He said, don't let it concern you that you're a slave because you need to be a slave to me anyhow. You need to have that mentality that the slaves had toward me and do every single thing I tell you whether you understand it or not or whether you want to do it or not. You do it. And it makes it easier to serve God. In 1 Peter, Last scripture, chapter 2, in verse 18. Now here it is. This will develop an attitude in you if you decide to make this biblical idea an idea in your mind that you live by. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 18. Slaves, be subject to your masters with all fear. Not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the froward. That word froward is crooked and corrupt. That was on my mind. When I went to work for a man and I was in a jam, I just got married. I was trying to make a living. All the responsible people told me I couldn't be married and travel all over the country, shoe and horse and rodeo and all. I had to settle down in one place. I never understood why you got to be in one place to be married, but they said you had, so I did. I like to starve to death. But this man turned out to be one of the wealthiest men in the whole county. He was the boss of the whole county and one of the most corrupt people I worked for my whole life. And you know what? I did everything he told me to do until I couldn't do what he told me to do, and I went to him and told him I'm gone. He said, why? Because I said, I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. He said, well, that's crazy. I said, you might say it is, but it's not to me. So God in those scriptures that I used to do has created in some folks this idea of doing what you're told to do by those you consider your authority. And it creates a mindset that the same principles that God used in his book you can use in your everyday job. because they're all correct whether you go with them or not. So what I'm trying to say is what good is it going to do for folks to know about slavery when they've never been slaves? Well, you'll have an attitude about it. You'll have an idea about it of what it is and not have to rely on somebody else to tell you what it's all about. Because so many people today's idea about all these things doesn't have anything to do with God to start with. They weren't there. They don't know. And all they know is what somebody tells them. And I've learned there's a lot of things that people tell you you can't believe. But it can also help create a mental attitude in you that will cause you to feel obligated to do the job to whoever you're doing the job for that you would do unto Jesus Christ. Let's pray. (coughs) Father, we thank you for your information that you can take the social customs of 2,000 years ago and turn them into a mental idea that can help us serve you better today. And that we don't need to be in confusion because of what we hear about the things that were. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.